Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. I'm always amazed when someone stops by and listens. Thank you for listening. Today we're going back to what is my nugget of the year so far. I know it's early. My nugget of the year so far. I wrote about it on Monday, but I want to go back to it and talk about it today. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and let's get started. Well, hello again. I tell you, I was sitting in church on a Wednesday night a week ago, and I was listening to my dad, and he was going over actually a couple chapters in Thessalonians. He was kind of surveying them and going over them really fast, but he happened to kind of skim over this verse, and when I saw the phrase, I thought, that is what I'm looking for. What do I mean by that is what I'm looking for? I don't know how to explain it. Let me let me give you let me give you a lot of backstory to this. It, and it's probably pointless to you. But late last year, as some of you know that listen to this podcast, I felt like I was wrestling with whether to continue the podcast, whether and, and writing and do different things like that. And I determined that I was going to continue to write, but what I thought was going to free me up is I was going to open up a substack, which I have. And I thought, I'm going to write about whatever comes to my mind. Because I wanted to just write about a lot of random things. I'm going to write about that on Substack to clear my mind to write the nuggets. But then I got started on this thought of nuggetology. And this philosophy or mindset of mining the scriptures and finding out these biblical nuggets of wisdom. And then sharing them with, with you guys on the podcast. And I've been enjoying that so much, I haven't even been writing on Substack. Because I've been enjoying that. But I say all that because... When I was going to be writing on Substack, I wanted a name to it. Now, some of you are not real super tech savvy. You stumbled onto the podcast, and I'm glad you did. And you don't even know what Substack is, and that's fine. But sometimes people, when they write on something, a blog or Substack, they have a name for it. You know, I'm trying to think of one that I follow. One's called Steady Steady Beats, I think. I don't even listen to it. But one's called Something Notes, and it talks about the famous notes of people over the years that have. I've taken notes, and I don't remember what all it's called, but I didn't have a name, so I just called it Brad Substack, and I still haven't renamed it, but I wanted something um, that resonated with where I was, what I was feeling, and then I was sitting in church, and my dad came across this verse. He didn't dig down on it. I have to admit, I may not have heard the rest of his message because I got into my nuggets, or I started to dig into this already. I shouldn't have, and I started to study this out while I was sitting there. And the, the phrase comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 in verse 11. Now, I'm going to go back in context, but it says, And that ye study to be quiet. And I thought, what, what a verse. Like, I've, I, I've studied the Bible for years, and I don't remember ever focusing on that phrase. But he says that you study to be quiet. That's just two weird words you put together, study and quiet. I like to study in quiet, but not study to be quiet. So then I, I started to look up that Greek word, and that Greek word only has used two other times, and it's never translated study. It's translated labor, and it's translated strive. Now, I wrote about this, so I'm reviewing for those of you that read the Monday newsletter. For those of you that don't, go to pulpit-pew.com and sign up to get it. I'll also put it in the notes of this, so you can just click on it and go subscribe. But but I found that it only says, that it's translated the other two times as strive or labor. And I thought, okay, so let's just, since it's the same word, let's just use that word, and let's 
So it says strive to be quiet or labor to be quiet. And I thought those two don't go together. When I'm striving, I'm anything but quiet, calm. The word quiet has the idea of calm. When I'm striving for something, I was just running a little bit earlier. When I'm striving in that run, I'm not calm. My heart is pounding. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so tired. But he tells us to strive to work towards a life that is quiet. Now, I couldn't title the Substack if I choose to, The Quiet Life, though I wrote about The Quiet Life, because there's a great author that I know, actually. I actually follow her Substack, Susan Cain, and she wrote about a book entitled The Quiet Life, and she sold millions of copies. She's super famous, and it's about being an introvert. It's a good book. But So I can't take The Quiet Life, but um, I like the thought of striving for quiet, and it's been ringing in my head. So now let's back up. With all that background... Let's back up. What is he talking about when he tells this church to strive for quiet? Well, if you back up a few verses, he says, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He's giving some practical instructions to the church of Thessalonica. And he tells the church of Thessalonica, you know what, I don't need to really tell you again that you love one another. Now that actually is in context because if you went back to chapter 3 and verse 12, he said, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. So he had already told them, hey, you need to love one another. Paul, But then Paul, as he typically does, kind of got sidetracked, started talking about some other things, very good things that we're not going to talk about today. But he comes back to this and he says, you know what, concerning that brotherly love, I don't even really need to tell you to do that because God's already told you. And I was thinking about that. You go back to Leviticus, he did tell them to love one another. You go to Deuteronomy when he told them to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And you say, well, no, that's in Matthew. No, Jesus said that was the greatest command. He said it back in Deuteronomy. The teaching about loving your brother has been throughout Scripture. You remember even when you're reading through Leviticus, and he told them that, and we've emphasized this last year, but he said when you're when you're harvesting your fields, leave the corners for those that are poor. Talking about loving your brother. And so he he's talking to this church of Thessalonica, and he said, you know, I don't really need to emphasize this because God already has, but you need to love other people. You need to have this agape love. But then he compliments him in verse 9. He says, but as touching brother love, or excuse me, verse 10, he says, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia was this land area that included Thessalonica. It would have included uh, uh, Philippi. It would have included, I think, Galatia, um, Berea. It would, have, it would have included these areas. And so he says, you guys actually have been showing love. You as a church, you as individuals of this church, have been doing very good at showing love one to another in Macedonia. But he said, I'm writing this, but I beseech you, I'm begging you, that you increase more and more. I want you to increase in your love. I want it to grow. Now let's stop and think about this. This is thoughts for the podcast. I, I know I've emphasized the one phrase, but I kind of wrote about it. But let's just think about this context. He says that you increase in that. How do you increase in loving others? I was reading one person, he said, well, when you're put in situations where people are unlovely, when you're put in situations to love those that are unlovely, that's going to help you to increase in love. And when, when people treat you wrong, it's a, it's a test. It's not, not a test, but it's a, it's a challenge 
to increase in love. So there's that. There's there's ways that we can. Uh, there's different ways in which we can show love that we can get outside of our comfort zone. But he says, you have done that, but I want you to increase it. And I want you to continue to grow. And then he uses our phrase that you study to be quiet and to do your own business. The word do your own business means to, to take care of your own things, mind your own business. Now let's talk about strive to be quiet. I think I like that phrase so much. Honestly, because as I've said on here, and I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not saying this as a complaint. I'm not saying this as a victim or as a pity party. My life for about six, seven years has been anything but quiet. And for situations, a lot much out of my control. And I think internally, I'm always trying to find peace. I not. Not peace like with God. I just want, I, I, I like it when everything is going smooth. And I understand. It's not necessarily realistic in life. Nothing's ever going to go smooth. But I'm constantly striving for that. And so that's why this phrase, when he says strive for quiet, strive for calm, strive for peace, I love it because that's what we ought to be striving for. A lot of people it seems like they're striving to fight. They're striving for strife. They want, they're causing, constantly causing problems there. They, they, I mean, they'll jump on Facebook to cause a problem. I said this in my newsletter and I'll say it again. I saw on social media, I probably shouldn't, if I'm striving for, for quiet, I probably shouldn't be on social media, but I heard about this. Then I saw it on social media and then I was tempted to comment on it. But I saw where a, a, a young girl, who tends to have a rebellious streak in her and struggles at school, or is a trouble in trouble a lot of school doesn't listen to her coaches um, came and would did something against the rules and was told she couldn't play until she uh, made it right by her coach and the parents end up pulling her from the school put her in a different school that still let her play even though of the and this happened a lot of the parents from our community were criticizing that coach and I was not striving for quiet in that time. I was frustrated. And I found that post and I got I was about to become a keyboard warrior. I thought I'm going to comment on this and defend the coach and then I thought, "Ooh, I already knew this first." And I thought, "No, no, no. That's striving for strife. It's none of my business." And that next phrase says, "Mind it says and do your own business. It's none of my business." Me commenting on that will not solve that problem. It's only going to instigate it. And so, if I am to strive or labor or study to be quiet, I don't meddle in other people's business. It's a great principle. So, so often we are we feel like we have to put ourselves in other people's business. We feel like we have to be involved in everything that's going on. And the thing is, we don't. I'm responsible for me and my family. I'm responsible. I will stand before God. I'm responsible, as the next part of that verse says, that's why I like it. And he says, and work with your own hands as we command you. You know what I'm? I'm responsible to work hard for my family. That's what I'm responsible to do. I can control that. I need to mind my own business. I need to strive for peace. And I need to work hard. That's what I'm supposed to do. Timothy talks about if a man isn't worth going to work, if a person isn't willing to work, they're not worth, 
uh, how I'm, I'm paraphrasing that now. I'm trying to remember how it went, but um, he's, he says basically he's good for nothing. He's a fool. You work to provide for your family, and that's what he was telling this church that that's like a strive for calm, <laughs> strive for peace. And how else can we do? I mean, there's some practical ways you can list a bunch of them. One of them I just talked about, don't meddle in other people's business when it comes to Facebook. Strive for peace in your relationships. Try and, you know, there are things. Remember Proverbs 15.1? Grievous words stir up wrath. Is that what it is? The word or anger? Grievous words? You Do you know grievous words that stir up your spouse? I know the answer. Because I know grievous words that will stir up my spouse. We know how to do that. But if we do that, if we use them, are we striving for quiet or are we striving for strive? You say, yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. If you're striving for quiet, you make peace. You make reconciliation. That's striving for quiet. So I love that. And then he tells them that next praise, mind your own business. And then he says, work hard. And then all of that, he says, if you do this, the sentence isn't done. But if we take that approach, he says this, that you will, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without. The word honestly has got the idea of honorably or decently. When you take this approach to life, you walk honorably among people that are not even Christians. You walk blameless. You walk in a way in which your testimony for Jesus Christ is honorable. You glorify God instead of self, instead of strife. He said this, that you walk honestly towards them or they're out, and that you may have lack of nothing. You're, you, you don't, I don't want to say this in the wrong way. I think if, if I understand the study right, when it says you have lack of nothing, it means you literally, you might, you don't need to rely on others. Now, there are times when we need to bear one another's burdens, and sometimes people bear our burdens, but it's got the idea that we're able to provide. We're to provide the physical support because we're working hard with our hands. We're to, part the, we're to provide the emotional support because we're not meddling everybody else's business. We got peace within us because we're not constantly anxious from all the strife and the fighting and everything. No, it's, hey, the thing that I'm striving for and the thing that Paul wants the church of Thessalonica and I think he wants us to strive for is peace, is quiet. Isn't it a wonderful thing? And so I hope that it, I hope these verses challenge you. I hope that you'll consider your life. Is your life full of strife? You need Quiet. I can make other applications. I think you need to strive for quiet in your personal time with God. You need a schedule. You need to fight your schedule for some quiet so that you can just get alone with God. I've talked a lot on this podcast. Um, before I could put words to it, now I have a verse, but I, I've tried to, in some ways, I don't, maybe saying protect my lunch hour is a little maybe too strong, but... I like to take my lunch hour and have my quiet time. Just quiet. Just walk. Quiet. Think. Pray. Praise. Cry. Whatever I need to do. Quiet. We're, we're way too busy of a society. We're way, it's, way, it's way too noisy. We never have time anymore for quiet. And I've determined. I, it's, it's, 
it's hard for me to completely talk about it because it feels weird and it feels like I'm still at that point where it's like, eh, I think everybody's going to probably not judge me in a mean way, but like, eh, this guy's a little bit weird. Uh, I don't want that. But I genuinely believe in my heart that we need to take more time to think and be quiet. That we are so busy, so anxious, so overwhelmed, so occupied that we don't even have time to calm down and think and praise God. And I think about David, even as a shepherd, he, he just would, I think there was just nights he just sat in that field. He didn't have a phone. He didn't have a TV. He just sat in a field his sleeping sheep and probably played his harp and thought about God. You say, well, that just sounds like boring. You didn't know. I, I, I think it's deeper than that. I think it's something spiritual about it. Just getting alone and quiet with God. And so study to be quiet. That's a verse for me. That is, that is a verse for me so far for this year. That may be the top verse of the year for me all along. Cause it puts, it puts, words to what I was I'm trying to express. I've been trying to express in my own mind and my own heart. And so I love this passage. I hope it means a lot to you and I hope it challenges you. I hope you'll think about it, dig into it and and find ways that it applies to your life. But um, I love it. Study to be quiet. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be back on Sunday with uh, Hebrews chapter two again. We're going to finish up Hebrews. I hope you've been following around in that classroom study with us. And then I hope you're getting those nuggets. I have been enjoying writing it so much. Like I said, I haven't even been writing on Substack right now. And for those of you that have subscribed to the Substack, I will get there. Um, I will actually put a link to this in case you want to go to it. But I haven't been writing there yet because I've just, one, I've been, have been busy. but And I'm trying to schedule everything. But two, I've just been enjoying getting in and studying these nuggets a little bit and writing about them on Monday. So you guys have a wonderful week. We'll see you back on Sunday. <music>